Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Kevin, we have reached the last episode of Red Dawn. <laughs> and I, so for a while, you were way drunker than me. Yeah. And now I feel like you're somehow starting to sober <laughs> up, despite the fact you've never stopped drinking. No, and I have not. I feel like point. I'm getting really tipsy. I mean, so, look, people pay me to drink, so that's, <laughs> that's not true, but it, they should pay me to drink. Yeah. <laughs> but we're here to get across the finish line yeah. with Red Dawn. We are almost there. 84 masterpiece. I again, and this is the thing that I love about these movies and that I love being a part of this podcast. These are the type of movies that I can watch both seriously and ironically, right? Like I watch these movies, I love these movies, but they're also so hilariously bad in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. Well, some of them like this one especially is like a time capsule. Yes. As well. Yes. It's like, you know, they we'll talk about it a little bit later on probably, but they remade this movie. Yeah. But you can never recapture this moment in human history where this where this movie kind of makes sense. You know, it came out in 84, which was like. Less than a decade before the end of the Cold War, but sort of the peak of the paranoia. I imagine of Reagan, like Ronald Reagan, if he could still get it up, he's probably like jacking off watching this movie. <laughs> like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. 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 Nancy, Nancy, don't get in the way. Don't get in the way. You're, it's good that you're here, but don't get in the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's so just like so on the nose. <laughs> like, like it nailed it's particular moment in time in the same way Rocky four, I feel like did the same thing. Oh yeah. You know, just like, Oh damn, yeah. You, you nailed it. And we talked about this in episode one, but when we grew up, everything was steeped in communist paranoia. I mean, the number yeah. of movies that I watched that were like the commies are out to get us was just, it was innumerable. We probably came of age like as the cold war was sort of winding down or whatever. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, it was like, there was a legitimate fear that in any moment, the Russians might launch nukes at us. I mean, or uh, we might launch nukes at the Russians right, it and was. Then, or we yeah. might get invaded or that we might invade them. And, yeah, it's wild times. <laughs> and I, I don't want to linger on this too long because we have a movie to talk about. Sure. But yeah, it is It is weird to grow up when we grew up because we straddle the pre-Cold War, post-Cold War era. Yeah. And so we know a war. I mean, G.I. Joe culture is sort yeah, of like absolutely. definitely like, oh, yeah, it's like the Americans versus the anonymous like baddies. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Are the, that are communism. Right. Exactly. And. Yeah, it's just, it is, 
it, it is interesting when you are of our age, and I presume that if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably of our generation. I, ho- I would hope so for your <laughs> sake. If you're younger, go get laid. <laughs> Why are you listening to two old Why men talking about movies from the 80s? Stay off my lawn. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here regardless of Absolutely. Your age Thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> and, and thank you for the uh the the action uh i'm sorry i'm still learning the the podcast network that we're a part of oh, last of the action heroes last of the action heroes podcast, podcast network, network. Yeah, thank you so yeah, much for being yeah, yeah. Uh, we're happy to be a part of you um and so we're this is part five yeah we're, we're at the we're at the finish line finally oof. we made it if if we make it if we make it uh, so i'll try to bring us up to speed on what's happened in Please this film. Please do. I would love that. Um, it's 1984. Uh-huh. No, it's not 1984. It's, it's 1989. On day one, have been like a rebel unit fighting against these guys as partisans or whatever. Ever since the beginning, they're the Wolverines, led by a bunch of teen heartthrobs. So now, it's I guess we're getting to the end game, where in which the Wolverines <laughs> are starting to crumble a little bit under the pressure of it all. They had. And then subsequently lost a military uh, dude with them. That was Powers Booth. But now what's left? I mean, there's not a whole lot of us left at the end. No, we've lost Aardvark. We lost lost Powers Booth. The group was starting to crack under the pressure. They just executed one of their own um, who seemed to have betrayed them, though it didn't wasn't like voluntary no he was tortured into swallowing right uh, which uh, is like okay well let's give it a week (laughs) or something like that i don't know but yeah okay uh, the group is sort of falling apart they're not sure what to do anymore they want to quit but they can't quit and fuck it we're gonna take it we're gonna take it to the end we're running to the end yeah and and so we we finish with Patrick Swayze awkwardly opening a photo of people we assume is him and someone else, although it's not clear. (laughs) Charlie Sheen shows up and consoles him. And then we cut to sometime later. We, we really, it's, it's actually, it's not entirely clear how long it is. Although the, we know we're in February at this point, but we don't know much else other than that. So this is like a month, month and a half later. And they're looking at a communist convoy. And uh, Charlie Sheen produces, he he pulls out a rocket launcher. He's ready to shoot at the convoy. And Swayze, like, stays his hand for a second, right? Right. Which is good because as this random convoy (laughs) who's parked in the middle of the road for no reason that I can ascertain. Yeah. Sure. Drives away. A, a couple of boxes fall off the back of it. The whole it just reeks of a trap. It does, and that's what the thing that I'm thinking. Like the initial uh, note that I took was: is obvious trap is obvious. Yes, right for sure. <laughs> but but for sure. But 
Jennifer uh, Grey's character runs down and starts eating everything without anybody's uh, consent, and it's clear that it's not a trap. Well, that was weird to me because Swayze's like, hmm, this seems like a trap. <laughs> this seems like a trap. Hey, you. You go. <laughs> you go down there and check it out because the boxes had fallen off and it seemed like it was full of food. Yeah. Miscellaneous food items like yeah. apples and oranges yeah. and, and, and like, shit. And like, in like Chex Mix and like all all the good stuff. Yeah, right. And and she she's starts just chowing down. Right. And Gray starts eating all this food and she's not murdered. And I'm like, wait, is this not a trap? Is this like, did this actually happen? She's like, come on down. Right. And so they come on down. But in the span of time it takes for her to run down, yeah. everybody else has to mount horses <laughs> and like... Well- Ride horses down. It's like, how far away is this road? It's not clear to me. What was extra weird was like Swayze seemed apprehensive right from Mm -hmm. the get go. He's Mm -hmm. like, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know what movie it was. It was some movie Mm -hmm. in which a similar situation had arisen. And like, you get one character telling the other character, you know, like, hey, like, if there's even a hint of uncertainty, we don't do it. Yeah. Cause this is like, if, the, if, if there's any indecision, it's a no, Yeah, you know, and that's what should have happened. Right. Yeah. He's like, this doesn't feel right, but okay, we got to get these apples, I guess, you know? Yeah. It's, I just don't, I'm like, dude, you got to know better than this at this point. I agree. This seems too good to be true. It's probably not true. Right. right? Exactly. Right. Ex- I totally agree. But nonetheless, everybody goes down. They go, they collect the food and we cut to them all uh, against like some rocks enjoying and eating the food. <laughs> yeah. Let's take it back to the rocks. Yeah. He says, basically. And exactly. They're crushing the checks. <laughs> the- <laughs> Just like pounding the checks. <laughs> they got like m- weird, like Danishes or muffins. <laughs> yeah, or something. Like, really weird. Okay. And then yeah. Jennifer Gray is like squeezing orange juice on the Patrick Swayze. Yeah, it was head. odd. It is. So as a person who had maybe seen this movie when I was little one time yeah. and then forgotten about it, when I'm watching it, I'm like, I felt certain like, oh, this food's definitely poisoned or something, right? Like this is, that's the Russian way, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, there, there couldn't be a better plan mm-hmm. than to like, oh, we're going to poison the food and dump it out all over the place or whatever and scatter it and people are going to eat the poisoned food and they're going to die or mm-hmm. some shit like that. Mm-hmm. But that is apparently not what happened. Exactly. Maybe the people were just like, we're going to dump food and then we have some people hidden just watching and waiting. That's the thing that I couldn't figure out. It was obviously a trap. There's, I just can't accept that this was a random thing given what happens next. No, no, no. Right? Yeah, no, it definitely, definitely was planned by the Soviets. But, but before we move on to the action sequence, <laughs> this is the remnants of an entire uh, like romantic subplot that occurred between Patrick Swayze's character and Jennifer Grey's character that never even was shot. Oh, it did never filmed? They never filmed it because okay. Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey hated each other so much on the set of this movie, apparently. Yeah, okay. And Patrick Swayze said, like, I just don't think that this is right for my character. I don't think we should do this. And he actually had the entire subplot removed from the movie. And this, like, Interesting that he scene, even had the clout to make that happen. I know. this. That's what blew me away. And again, this could be, who knows? I'm looking this up on the internet, right? Right, right. No, I saw the same. I hear yeah, okay. the same. So, but yeah, so it's like there's this whole romantic subplot that never comes to fruition because Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey had a conflict on set 
which I guess presumably they resolved because Dirty Dancing. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, so that we get this one moment of flirtation and then fucking helicopters come over the rides. Right. Yeah, you get the sound of helicopters approaching ominous. <laughs> And and so they immediately open fire on everyone. It's like those those Rambo helicopters, the ones that uh-huh. big wings like loaded with artillery they or whatever. Are, it's fucking badass helicopters. I love those helicopters. Okay. Oh, so I looked <laughs> this up a little bit, and apparently they did the same thing in Red Dawn that they did in Rambo Three, where it's a similar style of helicopter. Okay. But they retrofitted them with the wings with all the artillery underneath them. Okay. So it's not the actual Russian helicopters. Yeah. But it's a similar style of helicopters that they've retrofitted to look well, like I, those I, mean, I would assume they don't have access to actual exactly. I guess, Russian helicopters. But it makes sense. But yeah, I, I have in my notes, I'm reading this right here. I really fucking love those helicopters. Like, that's Absolutely, what I wrote. Who wrote that in my notes? That's the Rambo shit. <laughs> yeah, when it comes it flying is. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. yes. They yeah. got the wings on them. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so. So at this point, Jennifer Grey is dead. She's, or we think she's dead. She's no, been yeah, shot. We don't know. If you get hit by one bullet from a gun like that, you're <laughs> fucking dead. So that's what like I think. That's initially. the sort of shit that would cut you in half. Yeah, if exactly. It hits you. Exactly. So that's what I think, at least initially. But anyway, Patrick Swayze yells at everybody to go run. Rockets are exploding. Guns are going everywhere. Uh, so they ride off on their horses. Um, and then, yeah, so Patrick says he pulls Jennifer Grey onto the back of his horse. And, but, 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 see Thomas Howell is separated from the rest of the crew. Did you read the shit where he was like a rodeo rider? See yes, Thomas Howell was I before did hear about that. he yeah. got discovered. So he was like a badass on horses. And apparently, like, yeah, all this shit was really him riding around with the gun and everything. I'm like, that's rad as fuck. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I know. I did. I did read about that. Real life cowboy. And he apparently he taught everybody else how to ride. Actually, okay, yeah, that's that's what I read at least. Um, Which is useful information, but it doesn't matter here because (laughs) he's got an RPG. And he, like, sees the opportunity, he seizes it, he shoots the rocket into the helicopter, and it only kills the guy on was the gun. Was it, like, was his problem, was he too accurate? I don't know what happened. If you hit the actual body of the chopper, it would crash. It would crash, Instead, right. he shot it into the open door. <laughs> and it blew up and, the like, one guy. It hit the one guy right in his heart <laughs> or some shit. Instead, he just fell out. He it fell was, out the other door. It was it was unfortunately the most accurate shot you could ever make uh, in the history of your life. It was too accurate. He was too good. And unfortunately for him, he decides to instead of run and hide from his unfortunately accurate shot. Oh yeah, he decides to grab his AK forty seven and scream Wolverines, which to this point has been a rallying cry, but in this moment it dooms him. They got the, like the really triumphant music. Yeah. It is a, there's this massive swell and there's this moment of triumph and he's just murdered to death. He's just murdered to death because he doesn't run away. Yeah. Right? No, he goes down in a hail of bullets. That was the moment in which I'm like expecting right as they're approaching, probably the American fighter jets yeah. are going to exactly. arrive and shoot the yeah. helicopter down. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way at all. <laughs> 
He's dead. <laughs> anyway, so we cut back to uh, we cut back to uh, uh, Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey riding to safety, but she falls off his horse, and they both dismount. And the horse runs off because we can't we can't see a horse die on screen. This, what is this? Braveheart? We're not we're not good. Holy shit! Did you watch Napoleon? Uh, no, I haven't the seen really Napoleon. Sad. If you want to see a horse <laughs> get hit by a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> Napoleon is the movie for you. I just love how excited you were about horses being hit by cannibals. It's not as terrible as you would expect, <laughs> but it's pretty. That movie is graphic as fuck. Really? I liked it, though. Okay. It's got very middling reviews. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of campy. Yeah. But I, I dug the shit out of it. All so, right, yeah. Right, I, okay. I recommend Napoleon. Check it out. I've people. been on the fence about Napoleon, but okay. Based on horses getting hit by cannonballs, like. I th- feel like I'm on board. Um, but anyway, so the horse runs off and they're like laying on the ground. So the, the helicopters fly away um, and they're both laying underneath this bush. And it's it's really clear that Jennifer Grey is a goner. Like she's I, you can't not get, surviving this. Honestly, if you get hit by one of those bullets, like off of a fucking gun, the type of gun that's mounted on a helicopter... <laughs> You're like, just you're exploding. dead right away. I feel no. like you're hollowed out. Oh, you're too completely That's the sort of shit, out. like, if you get hit in the arm, your arm falls off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, e- like, e- exactly. You don't, you're not surviving even a little bit of time. Yeah. And so she is bleeding from a wound that should have been way worse than it was. And they have this intimate moment, um, which is, again, a vestige of the romantic subplot that they For were sure. supposed to have. Yeah. Right? And... She asks him to kill her with the Colt 45 again. Like, specifically, he pulls out his grandfather's gun, uh-huh. and she wants him to kill her with that gun, and he can't do it. He can't do it. It was kind of sort of poignant, right? Cause she's like, I don't want to just, I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be taken advantage of by the Ruskies. Again, we, at this point, it's well established that Russians really want Jennifer <laughs> Grey. <laughs> Specifically, just they want specifically Jennifer Grey. Her. I don't know what it is about her. Absolutely. You get it. You I get, get it. it. I understand. I would, <laughs> I'm much more a Leah Thompson fan than Jennifer Grey. Okay, but that's fair. fine. Um, but <laughs> suffice it to say, she doesn't just not want to be a victim of the Ruskies. And she's like, kill me. I don't want to feel cold. And it's like, I can't do it. And she's like, okay, give me a grenade. So he gives a grenade and she's like, pull the pin and he pulls the pin and she holds on to it. And she says, leave me, like, go find the survivor, like, get the fuck out of here. I can't, there's nothing you can do here. I'm mm-hmm. done. Right. And she was like, okay. Like he actually like leaves. Like it was just what, Yeah. I mean, he does it. So we cut to back to the Russian side of things. All these badass helicopters land. And the soldiers come out and they fan out. And we think that that Jennifer's like uh, the grenade has not gone off yet. Yeah, this is kind of weird because but she does appear to have died. Right. Right. But the grenade doesn't go off. Yeah. I guess she still got it like in her hand or some shit. Yeah. And so they come out and then the second in command says, we think that the death toll is 12, which is like. And I didn't understand where this number came from. I don't know why this is happening. Like why this discussion is, is being put on film. Okay. I don't know what the point that is being made is. Yeah. I didn't understand. 
oh, the Soviets, they lie to try to make themselves sound better. Right. Like, if that's the point, okay. Yeah. But it was weird because, yeah, the other dude's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I count one body here that I've seen. <laughs> right, exactly. He's like, no, no, no. They carry their dead away. And he's like, oh, yeah, of course they do. <laughs> that was my favorite part when the one Rusky who was, like, trying to justify his 12 body count is like, no, 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 no. You only have one, but don't forget, these crazy Americans carry their dead away. They totally do. <laughs> it was so weird. And maybe the idea is just that, you know, these Soviets, they lie a lot yeah. just to make things sound better for themselves than they really are. That's the only thing I can figure. Suffice it to say, one Rusky goes off, he finds Jennifer Grey, who's clearly dead, and yet somehow the grenade doesn't go off. He moves her body, rolls it over. Right. That's when the grenade, like... The grenade, like, rolls out from somewhere. It was sure. really unclear where it came from. It was. And then it cuts back to, like, the fox hunter guy, and the grenade <laughs> blows blows up in the distance, and he's like, hmm, damn oh. it. Yeah, they got us they again. They got us again. And then that was it. That That's the end of Jennifer Grey's character. So I wound up doing, like, sort of a deep dive on Jennifer Grey and where the what what happened to her? Okay, you know what I mean. Like she just disappeared off the scene, yeah, or whatever. And it's kind of a crazy story. Like she had, she got in a car crash with Matthew Broderick, oh who was her boyfriend. Oh my God. They started like secretly dating during Ferris Bueller or some shit, right? Okay. So, so they got in a car crash, and she got like a neck injury or something like that. So she was. And the other people in the other car like died. Like there was two people who died. Apparently, Matthew Broderick was, like, driving on the wrong side of the road or some shit, like, in Ireland <laughs> and with her, and they crashed and died. Shouldn't be laughing Like, other this. people died, yeah. right? So, but, so, she had, like, some PTSD, like, slash guilty conscience, you know, whatever. She went out of the public eye for a little bit. Then she got a plastic surgery mm -hmm. and came out looking just, like, nothing like herself anymore. And that was just sort of the end of her career. Like she, she had, she went in for a nose job or something and came out looking like a different person. Oh, wow. And then it's just like, okay. And her career is like acting offers just like dried up or something. Like, that that's is fucking wild. Fucking wild. Yeah, that is. It's weird insane. to be like, I was in dirty dancing and then I feel like I need to like plastic surgery. Yeah. So it's like, no, you made it. Like that's as big as you can get. Right. Wow. That is but just crazy. Anyway, that's just yeah. for Gray's story. That is just, that is unfucking believable because usually, like, Hollywood celebrities, like, use plastic surgery to, to keep their career alive. She killed her. And she Apparently killed her. Apparently, her mom, like, pressured her into, like, Oof. she gets some plastic surgery, you'd be a lot more marketable. Oh, that's such a shame. And then, yeah, it's like, okay, mom, like, that's fucking weird shit. It's going to. Probably get cut out of the podcast, to be honest. <laughs> but anyway, back to the back to the flick. So, all right. So the commies hear the explosion go off in the distance. Yeah. And Mr. Big Bad, who no one has ever said his name, honestly. Yeah. It's in the credits it's somewhere. It's in the credits. But I'm just like, no, he's just like the Russian commander. He's the Russian fox hunter. Like, that. that's what I called him in my notes, right? Like, these... He's the fox hunter or something. For sure. But so we cut back to the Monument Rock where they keep etching everybody's name in. And he's adding two unfortunate names. And he adds C. Thomas Howell's character's name, who 
How did he know that he died? I guess he didn't show back up, but he didn't see him sure. die. Okay. And then Jennifer Gray's name to the list on the rock. And then he also adds his own name and his brother's name to it. That was weird to me. That was super weird to me. The, yeah. Is that just acceptance? We're not going to survive this? I paused it and it was like, okay. At first I was like, I thought it was a continuity error or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For right? sure. But, why, but it couldn't be continuity error because he was the one adding the names to the rock. It's like, okay, that is a really like morbid, pessimistic sort of take on the whole thing. It was it was a kind of a dark moment realizing I, I, to me, it's like, you know, we're dead already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So while this is happening, we cut to Charlie Sheen explaining to uh Leah Thompson and Danny's character that um they need to go. They need to get to someplace safe. They're done. They've done what they need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I don't. I was wondering where the fuck are they right, right now? Because they seem to be indoors, right? Or like in a shelter of some sort. I don't, yeah, it was weird. Like at this by this point in the movie, the geography was completely off because they would cut to a place in the town that was covered in snow, and then they would cut to the mountains that wasn't covered in snow, and yeah. Uh, honestly, I that bug that bugged me a little bit. Yeah, because I'm yeah, like, yeah, look, yeah. once the snow comes down, it's everywhere. It's and it's gonna be there until like May. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not going anywhere. Right. So that that bothered me. The, the timeline gets really fuzzy sure. at this point in the movie. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And so anyway, so Charlie Sheen says, "You gotta get the fuck out of here." We're going to wreak havoc, but someone needs to go and survive this whole nonsense. Then he's, he's, like, he's like, me and me and uh, Jed or whatever, me and Swayze, yeah. we're all used up. Yeah, we're all used up. Whatever that means. Right. I don't know. I think it essentially means like the war has taken all their humanity away from them. Yeah, there's nothing like, left. Like, we're done. Yeah. You know, you two, I feel like Danny and Leah Thompson maybe have just like retained the most of their humanity. Yeah. And there, there is this brief exchange where Leah Thompson tries to say, no, 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 come with us. And there's this, just this sense that Charlie Sheen ha- ha- knows that he and his brother, like, there's no there's no humanity yeah. left in There's no innocence left in them. Right. And it's actually interesting. I mean, I think it's overwrought, but it, it is interesting. I mean, I, in the early parts of my notes, I'm like, oh, my God, there is so much crying. Like, why is there so much crying? And it is overwrought, but it is interesting to see the transition from all of these kids crying all the time to these soldiers. Yeah. Knowing that their end is coming and being at peace with that. Right? Yeah, yeah. We've come it, a long way also from like wash my dishes, woman. Yeah, I know, <laughs> like, I know. It is it's now crazy like to have their moment. And again, I mean this and this is a thing that comes up over and over again in this podcast that there's these moments of profound importance combined with the profound silliness of the 80s and yes. 90s. And this is one of those moments where you you kind of take a moment back and you go like, oh shit, like this caught me. Like this, this is a moment that's real. Like I feel this. Okay. So Charlie Sheen and Patrick Swayze, they prepare for their final battle, right? But Yes. But it's possible 
that maybe they could survive this because there's like fucking crazier shit that's happened. Right. He's like, we survived some crazy shit in the past. Right. Right. Like, right. But then they, they, it's like this weird moment where well, they like, this is the moment where, where Patrick Swayze was like looking at a framed photograph <laughs> of himself. Yeah. And I'm like, now I'm thinking maybe where they're at is like their old house or something there. But in the background though, when they're looking at this is it's like the ruined basketball court. Yeah, it was strange. Right? It was I'm like, strange. Where are they? Are How they do the they high get school here? Or something? Yeah, maybe I, they're at the burned out high school. I guess like, they went back to the burned out high school before okay. the attack. The, the sense that I got watching the scene was like, okay, there is an entire scene that occurred in the original script that they did not either film or they cut out of the movie right. that explains how they got here. Right. Suffice it to say they're in this ruined basketball court just outside of town and, um, they exchange. I love yous. And then they go, it's hard being brothers, isn't it? That's weird. Yeah. I don't like, know what they um, even make of that. Yeah. I have no clue what that was supposed to be about. And then they do a secret handshake that we have never seen in the movie to this point. <laughs> I thought it was strange. Uh, yeah. I thought like they were like pulling on Soviet uniforms, like maybe to blend in as well. Yeah. But it's like the handshake of like, I don't know what's happening. What is it's going on? Brothers, huh? Yeah, it and is. I'm like, I, but what do you mean by that? Yeah, exactly. I don't even know. We, and, th- and this goes back to the sort of overarching criticism that I have to the movie is that there is this this humanitarian subtext that runs through the entire movie that never truly pays off. There was a lot of storylines, though, like little subplots and threads that never paid off on right, this movie. Exactly. And speaking of of subplots that never pay off, okay, let's jump back to Soviet <sighs> HQ. Let's jump back to Commander Bea, and. He is writing a letter, and the whole scene is told with him narrating. Of course. And he's never done any VO up to this point <laughs> in the movie. But now we are hearing him narrate the letter that he wrote to his wife, I guess, right? Right. We feel like it's a wife, girlfriend, something. And he's talking about how he wished he had never come to this place and how he's like the horrors of war have come full circle for him. And that it was different when he was fighting a part of as a part of a, a a revolution, but he's like he's sort of resigned his he, he's like he's done he can't handle it anymore. He's like I'm gonna resign and come back to you. He just wants to go home, right? This is the point that if you, if this movie is some sort of allegory to other wars and stuff, like maybe this is the United States realizing that that we never should have gone to Vietnam. Right. Like they don't want us here. Exactly. Like I'm going to come back home to you just as soon as I can. Yeah. Wrangle it. Like, what do we get from this? Like what, what is the advantage here? And this is the whole thing where it's sort of like what the original plot was versus what the movie became. Right. There is just, they're all, all of these little threads, all these little tendrils of this (laughs) war is awful subplot. That John, that Milius was trying to get rid of, yes. But it, some of it crept through, and and Commander Bale was the the one character who they, he couldn't kind of get rid of. He's the only. Well, I guess maybe other characters had arcs, but he had the like most pronounced arc mm-hmm. of any character in the movie. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm done with this shit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. used to being like on the side of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Now I'm an oppressor, and I don't love it. 
I want to kind of just come back home. I'm tired of this shit. And then he his final bit of his arc is going to play out a little bit later. But right, we'll get right. To that. But th- th- this is the critical moment. This is the climax of his arc. Is he's writing this letter to his his wife, presumably. But as he finishes the letter, boom! Another massive explosion occurs outside. Right. right? And now it's off to the races. And so he runs outside. All house is breaking loose. Explosions going everywhere. And as we mentioned in the first episode, this is all practical. Like there's yes. no miniatures. There's no CGI. I love the bit. There's one dude just running through with one random one, arm on fire. One arm on fire. Like, dude, take your jacket off. <laughs> just take. I know. I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. It's like, ah! my one this arm. is an easily solvable oh, situation. My right arm. <laughs> He he almost gets shot. Like bullets go everywhere, but he survives. But the guy who comes outside, like the moment after him, unfortunately, is in the wrong place at the wrong time. He dies. Yeah, right. Because we can't have him die yet. His his storyline isn't completely concluded. Um, commies are firing into the night everywhere. I mean, You're right. They're just firing aimlessly. Just indiscriminately. There might as well be 30 American soldiers everywhere in this space. But it is just Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. sneaking through the this, this city. I don't know where they got all of this armament. I mean, they've got rockets. They've got grenades. Yeah, right. They're got, fully like, loaded up. They're fully loaded up. Um, and they just like blowing everything up that they can't. So, as as they are creeping around town, Bayo's right hand man, who we've established as a character actor, is <laughs> Mickey. Things, Mickey right. from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> he walks out of the the barracks and he actually sees them creeping away into the darkness, and he gives chase. And you think, oh my god, this is going to be the biggest throwdown ever. Like this is <laughs> yeah. this is the penultimate battle. No, 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 no. no. Swayze and Sheen roll up to like a trailer or something. Yeah, the, it seemed to be like the headquarters for like the intelligence right. people or whatever. And the evil commie leader exits out. He sees that these two evil Americans are about to shoot an RPG at him. He screams. Charlie <laughs> Sheen shoots the RPG at him and he, he gets a two for one. He gets a fucking. Like, yes. Right? He gets a BOGO. He gets a buy one, get one free. He kills the evil communist leader in his trailer of communications. But also, Bea's right-hand man, like, buys, buys the dust from the, like, the, I, I don't know, the I don't the know what you call that. Like, yeah, the, the, ba- the, the backfire, the, the, um, the exhaust or the rocket, like, yeah. Burned his face off. Burned or his some face shit. off, and that, that's it. We don't address it beyond that. He's just dead. We don't care about that anymore. We're done with that. Moving right along. <laughs> anyway, the evil hunter guy, who's the fox, who gave the whole presentation, who right? Broke down the biology of the Wolverine previously. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like he's half dressed, but he is ready to fucking go. Meanwhile. Swayze and Sheen have caused enough damage. They're getting the fuck out of Dodge. It seems like they actually might escape. Right, like, I know, like, for a moment. Like, There's a train pulling out yeah, right at this like, moment. We can hop on the train and we're gone. Why is the train pulling out? Doesn't matter. But they get on the train anyway. It's leaving. He sees them jump on the train, though, and he shoots a couple of rounds. 
And unfortunately, Charlie Sheen is hit. He falls off the train. Yeah. Swayze jumps after him. The evil Russian dude who hunts like a fox looks under <laughs> the train. He's waiting for the train to pass. The train passes. He crosses the tracks. He sees the blood trail. Now he's on the hunt, right? He's looking. He's hunting. He's trying to find the boys. He doesn't see Patrick Swayze sneak up behind him. Swayze <laughs> takes his grandfather's Colt 45. Absolutely, yeah. The last time we see it in the movie, finally, he points it at the bad guy. All he has to do is pull the trigger. Sure. All he has to do, that's it. Shoot him in the back. Shoot him in the back. We're done. But instead, he says, you lose. You lose. You lose. Mr. Evil Russian, who's, I don't even know if anybody has even said his name, turns around, fires his <laughs> submachine gun. Patrick Swayze, of course, kills him. You got to give the guy enough time to turn him fire, though. Yeah, I mean, it's Otherwise, just, it would be honorable. Honor- yeah, it's not honorable, for sure. Anyway, so Patrick Swayze kills the evil Russian guy, but he's also wounded in the shootout. He knows where Charlie Sheen is. He picks him up, and he's carrying him to, I don't know. I I didn't know where he was carrying him. Just sort yeah. of like carrying him, right? Right, like, but that's where I feel like it pays off because they wind up at some sort of like a playground or like the park yeah, or whatever. He doesn't, yeah, he's just carrying him. But as on the way to wherever he's going, he meets up with Bea one oh, last true. time. Before we get to that, Before yeah, he runs that. into Bea, and Swayze's got this amazing look on his face yeah. just like uh, like I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm done. I'm defeated. And But Bea points his machine gun at him, and then he like, it's this amazing subtle gesture. He just like waves them on. I'm done. Yeah. I can't take this anymore. He's, he says, Vaya con Dios, which is Vaya like con Dios. A, Go with a, God. a lie that was famously delivered from Keanu Reeves to Swayze in Point Break. Later on, though. Yeah, later on. Yeah. When he's like saying, no, just go on and let, yeah. like, let God deal with you. Right. And I'm like, oh, it's, I don't know if that was an intentional. I can't like, believe that was a coincidence. Yeah, you don't have two guys say Vaya con Dios to Swayze as he's on his way to like meet his maker or whatever. Absolutely. So says Vaya con Dios. He he goes, it's a struggle, but Swayze sits Sheen up on a bench with a swing set in the background. There's no way this is a coincidence. No, no, no. Is it like the right? dad mentioned earlier, like, remember those happy times when, like, we were on the playground together and this and that? Yeah. And it's connecting back to that. And he's like, you know, dad's going to be here to meet you soon or whatever. Over and over. He says that over yeah. and over again. Yeah. This was the night. This was the night. Two things. This was the night. It was negative 30 degrees Celsius yeah. that night that they were Which filming I believe this. it because... You could see the like the, the ice crystals just in the air. in the air in front of them. Yeah. And this is also the night that Patrick Swayze got frostbite. He got frostbite filming this fucking movie. <laughs> right? And this is this is, I and I want to pause here before we get to the end. Okay. But Swayze got frostbite on this movie. Leah Thompson is on record as saying this is the most fun she's ever had making a movie. <laughs> So say what you will about this movie. It was a fucking thing that people were invested in. Right? Uh, absolutely. The, the, I mean, absolutely. All, all of the actors went to boot camp. They went to boot camp. They trained for this movie, right? And this is this is the the end of it. This, we finally come to the point where 
everybody's sort of like is is wrapping everybody up. Everybody who's going to die is either dead or moments from dying. Sure. Right. And so it's this. I don't know. It's it's a really great moment when when he pulls Charlie Sheen up onto the bench, and they talk about Dad's coming soon. And there's yeah. a swing set in the background, and the there's like the literally the air is freezing around them in the frame. Absolutely. It's. I mean, it's it is a legitimately great scene. Like it is. It's great. So now we fade to black, and we fade up. We don't. I have no idea how much time. I feel passed. like we just saw like Charlie Sheen take his last breath, right? And we assume Swayze is like close behind. Moments behind. Yeah. We fade up, and and Leah Thompson and Danny. It is a significant amount of time later because it doesn't seem to be winter anymore. No, it doesn't because most of the snow is melted. Like, yeah, it's mostly gone. So I don't know how long they've been climbing through the mountains. But Leah Thompson character and Danny are they're, they're scrambling through the mountains. They cross a ridge and they look down into the valley, presumably looking west, right? There's no way they would be running east. I thought the same thing. I thought, like, the eastern front is at the Mississippi River. Exactly. Like, I thought like they must be heading west. They must be. Yeah, they pop out in, in like you said, like Arizona or Nevada or exactly. something. So Leah Thompson starts in a voiceover says, we're free. And then we cut back to the rock. We cut back to this rock that we've come to a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, where they keep etching each other's names into it. This ending reminded me of so many, like, Mad Max movies where, they're like, you know, we never saw the Road Warrior again <laughs> or whatever. It was, like, that vibe. It is. It is straight up that vibe. But that now, presumably, the war has been won if you think about it. They're flying an American flag at the monument. And there is like a monument. A new sign. plaque or whatever there. So exactly. I think the war's over and the United States prevailed. Presumably, right? But Leah Thompson is talking about like the soldiers who have lost their lives. And the sign is talking about in the early days, this is a quote, quote, in yeah, the yeah. early days of World War Three, guerrillas, mostly children, Okay. Placed the names of their lost upon this rock. They fought here alone and gave their lives so that this nation shall not perish from the earth. I dug it. It's partisan rock. Exactly. What they partisan call rock is what they called yeah. it. Yeah. And that's it. Fade to black, credits roll, and that is the end of Red Dawn. There's like the old school, like the curtain call sort of ending mm -hmm. where they show everyone again. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. that was a very popular thing. I feel like around this era, like mm -hmm. Top Gun had that and a number of other movies. Hold on. Uh, you could practically see Predator everybody. Had that Platoon had that. You like, could see them bowing, right? Like roses yeah. being thrown onto the stage. For sure. Because you want to remember happier times when they were all not dead. Exactly. And it was, I don't know, it was, I love this movie, like, seriously and ironically. Yeah, Like, rad. all of these movies. That's what's up. And uh, it was fun to revisit it. It was fun to go back to the 80s when, I mean, fun is not the right word, but it's also <laughs> the right word. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, when, like, everybody was afraid of the commies, but <laughs> it is remarkable... <laughs> no, you're spot on. <laughs> Go, ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say the movie was like a success. It, it, it struck a chord yeah. with people at the time. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. For yeah. sure. And it was, 
it's yeah, it's enjoyable to watch. I mean, it has to be, I guess. But it was a financial success. Uh, helped launch a lot of careers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It I was. Mean, it was an unbelievable cast. Absolutely. The reviews for the movie were like lukewarm at best, I think. But you know, it is what it is. The common thread was like, "Wow." What a what a timely premise! Like this movie is sure to make a lot of money. Like that's it's not great, but like Jesus, they really got like lightning in a bottle here, you yeah, know, with the premise yeah. of it all. Um, but it was it had a cultural impact for sure. Yeah. Like the next year, there was a pseudo knockoff, like a, a Chuck Norris movie, Invasion USA. Oh, but there really? were like there was there was a whole lot of like Soviet generic Soviet bad guy movies that came out right in the wake of this as well. Like the Rockies and the, yeah. that shit, the uh, no retreat, no surrender. Yeah. Van Damme had another movie called black Eagle, I think where it was just like generic Soviet bad guys. Oh, I haven't seen that Russians. one. Um, they even remade the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? they did recently, but Which, they changed it from uh, Russians and Cubans to North Korean, North Korean yeah. bad guys. Um, it was odd. The movie came out in 2012. It was starred Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Although the movie, I think, was filmed like in 2009 and it sat on the shelf for three years. And it was one of those way. Now Thor came out. Yeah. And Hemsworth's a big deal. So now, now we can, we can release it. this. Yeah. Before this, what did he done? Cabin in the Woods? Who yeah, cares? Yeah. Well, even Cabin in the Woods, I think, was another one that filmed before Thor and then sat around like, what oh, are we going to really? do with this? Cabin in the Woods is rad. It's a movie classic. Though. That movie's amazing. Anyway, that's that's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. But um, I watched the remake mm-hmm. a, like a week ago, and I thought there was a lot of things that it did better than the original. But on on the whole, that was probably like about comparable to the original. Rotten Tomatoes though said of the remake, they're like it lacked the the current like the topicality <laughs> of the original. But they said it did a good job, though, of honoring the original's lack of character development <laughs> and lack of any sort of logic <laughs> to the plot. Like, damn, that's kind of harsh. That's a, that's a really backdoor yeah. compliment. But like you said, I think way earlier was the first movie ever with a PG-13 yep. rating, which is kind of rad. Yep. Spielberg spearheaded um, the movement like we got to have a rating in between PG and R. Yeah. Like, because I think he had done poltergeist and then gremlins and then indiana jones and the temple of doom he was like look this is not a movie for like just yeah but at the same time for kid for parents the thing is just totally fine for kids like it's not an r maybe but it's not also a pg yeah i get it i think he's right about that shit um like we said before john milius fucking hardcore oh motherfucker yeah, like we said the loaded pistol on himself at all times. That's insane. The the rabbit hole that I could have gone down on that guy. I mean, like Dude. it was he he is a unique individual. He had his young cast like training with green berets yeah. to learn how to hold yep. guns and everything yep. like that. Another thing that blew my mind was there was no like quote unquote movie magic. Yeah. On this. No, it was I all agree. like no map paintings, practical. no models. Nope. No green screen, no like composite shit. If you saw it, it really it was filmed. Really fucking happened. And that was a thing that at the beginning I was like, oh, this is super low budge. 
But then at the end, I'm like, fuck, this is all actually happening. No, it had to like, be kind of expensive. Every single thing happened on set. Like, it was an expensive fucking movie. For sure. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved the number, the explosions per second in that movie was amazing. <laughs> second, I was, second to none. Oh, my God. I was so satisfied the amount of spo- explosions in that movie. He had these motherfuckers up in the real mountains filming in the real cold. Yep. And that shit's crazy. I had I had read where everyone like who's behind the camera was like wearing this sort of like <laughs> down suits like you would climb Mount Everest wearing, you yeah, know? That's right. They had the Everest suits or whatever. They're yeah. like they're, they're yeah. like what are they called? Like Everest hazard suits or it's something like crazy that. It's fucking crazy shit. Amazing. Um but the movie was yeah, filmed like we said on location in New Mexico. Uh, Swayze apparently like loved it and bought a, like a massive yeah. ranch there or right. whatever he loved after. It. And Leah Thompson is on record as saying it was the fa- like her favorite movie ever. That's like, cool. shooting it, right? I can't imagine how that's possible because it sounds like hellacious. I mean, she must be a survivalist, but yeah, that movie is what inspired Patrick Swayze to seek out a ranch in what you know, sort of western mountainous america for right? sure i mean it's crazy um apparently there's also a scene where the wolverines do you read the shit about the the mcdonald's oh yeah the mcdonald's scene where there was, there was a scene a... they chopped out where they there were a bunch of russians like in the mcdonald's eating and the, the wolverine showed up and killed them all yeah but then there was a big like a, a mass shooting in a mcdonald's like a few weeks before the movie came out and they're and like they oh we got the last we got to cut the scene out yeah that's wild. To it's me. weird that, and that's it. That's not even like the first time that's happened. I mean, yeah, there's the number of times where they've cut things out of movies because of horrible things that have occurred minutes before the movie released. I mean, it's weird. But back in the old days, it's hard to imagine like when it's like an actual How film. How did you prints? like cut like, out that many feet of footage? Yeah, yeah it appeared, but it was in trailers and everything like that, yeah. and then it was removed from the final yeah. cut. And you were saying the thing about it being the most violent movie ever. So the notes that I have, I did a little bit of research on this. And for a long time, it was in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most violent movie ever released in the history <laughs> of the world, I guess. I don't know. Probably until some future Rambo movie came out. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the statistics that the Guinness Book of World Records came up with was there was 2.23, quote unquote, acts of violence per minute. In okay. this film. Okay. Which is crazy. I believe it, I guess. I mean, it was violent, but the fact that it was rated PG-13, like, it was, it's just this weird dichotomy. Right. It wasn't the sort of, like, bloody uh, people being dismembered type R-rated violence. It wasn't RoboCop. Like, it was... Oh, for sure. There was no, <laughs> there was no, like, there was no personal violence. Yeah. It was yeah. always the aftermath of violence, right? Also, I just want to mention shout out to 1984 because that was a like like most a banner year like most years in the 80s. It like produced some amazing fucking flicks, dude. The highest grossing movie of the year was Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. killer. Mm-hmm. But Indiana Jones and, and uh, the Temple of Doom came out that yep. year. Gremlins was out that year. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh my was out that god. year in Romancing the Stone and fucking uh, Terminator. Oh my god, that's that year. right. And my personal like jam, the the Karate Kid came out that year as well. Like just 
killer year. Oh, wow. What a year for movies. I feel like this one came out towards the end of the year, but yeah. fucking closed it out with a bang. I mean, the fact that, that Red Dawn came out in 84 against all of that and that we are sitting here talking about it. Uh, hell yeah. I mean, I think it's a testament to the strength of the movie, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Like the watchability of the movie. I think John Milius is still alive. He's yeah, still he's kicking. still alive. He's still kicking. So absolutely. I think he had like some sort of health scare. I don't know if it was a heart attack or a stroke or something a few years ago. And it seemed like he was like not going to make it. But I think he recovered. So yeah, I, I right checked on. IMDb. He's got things in post-production right now. Okay, so he's back in the business. Yeah, he's working still. Yeah. Right on, but that's a fucking rad 80s movie. Oh, yeah. No. Like, I, as 80s movies go, this is about as 80s as it gets. Yeah. Like, capturing the, the from the cast to the type of story it's telling. You can't ask for more no. than an 80s movie. I mean, it's a classic in my opinion, and that's why we that's why we do this podcast. Oh, yeah, holds, I, mean, I don't know if, I, if holds up is the right word. I feel like you have you to have watch to it from the it, perspective. Right. Through the prism yeah. of the Cold War. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, wow, what an artifact yeah. this movie is. But a worthwhile artifact. Anyway, Red Dawn for me is a classic. I, I am biased, I'll admit. Yeah, I think you had more of a history for with it than I had. But I can also watch this movie and be like, oh, yeah, this is like right up our alley. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is... It checks all the boxes. I feel like we need to, next one, we need to go back to our basics. We need to find like a classic, like traditional one. I've taken us down a <laughs> no, road. No, no, no. You nailed it. <laughs> but we do need to revisit Arnold. Yes. There's a few things. I'm dying to talk about Iron Eagle with somebody. Oh, God, Iron Another, Eagle. Another like generic sort of Cold War yeah, flick. I, I love that movie. I, I'm into it. So... We're going to hash it out once we sober up. Yes. Once, yeah. <laughs> we'll, figure, <laughs> we'll figure out what's next. <laughs> We're not making any serious uh, decisions right now. But until yes, <laughs> Don't make any serious decisions while you're drunk, guys. That's a good life advice from Eric. Um, but no, we will be back with something new and fresh and amazing for your asses. Yes. So until then, uh, thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving Day or Whatever your Valentine's, do this, whatever yeah. the fuck time <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever's Happy going on. Happy President's Day or MLK Day. <laughs> Arbor Day is what I Arbor care about. Arbor Day, absolutely fucking. Uh, <laughs> holy shit, I'm so drunk. We're uh, done. We, we done. have reached the end. We're done. We're tapping out. We'll be back. Yeah, stay safe, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>